Chelsea Fairless. Oh, you're doing your sexy uh, Terry Gross voice. Yes, I am. And welcome to another episode. Vocal Fry. <laughs> I don't know her. Welcome to another episode of Every Outfit. So how was your week, Lauren? Pretty well. I mean, we've spent most of the week together as we spend every week. It's true. And, and no one's thrown a baked potato at us yet. <laughs> you read that Scott Rudin article? Yeah, yeah. His behavior is horrifying, but that incident with the A24 thing, I'm sorry, if you're an assistant, which I have been an assistant, and you know how temperamental Scott Rudin is, would you walk into the room and go, A24 is here, I'm not sure why? Then what is your job as an assistant? Why <laughs> would you say that to your explosive boss? See, I would never throw a, a baked potato at someone because I'd want to eat it too badly, you know? Well, you also have a thing with free food and wasting food, so you would never. Yeah, it's true. I have a problem. I have, what is it called? Phobia? It's not a phobia. You love I just free can't thing. I can't stay away from free food. It doesn't matter if I've just eaten. I could get on a plane and have had a full meal before I got on the plane and if they give me a free meal, I'll just eat it because it's there. But you have such a relationship to ephemera that I'm trying to think if you were an abusive boss, what objects would you toss? Cuz I could just see you at a desk being like, I'm not going to toss my sweet greens. I'm not going <laughs> to toss this Edie Parker ashtray. I'm not going to toss my computer. What would you toss? It? an assistant fuck i don't know your feelings i guess just like a full cup of coffee or something <laughs> anyway we're former assistants who are now bosses to no one because we've been assistants and we don't want to do that shit to someone else <laughs> exactly so for weeks you've given me shit about my quote-unquote nerd shit but now this week we're going to talk about your nerd shit i finally watched <laughs> law and order svu because there was a crossover episode you wanted to talk about well if you want to know why lauren is a sick and depraved person it's because her favorite show in the law and order franchise is what criminal intent like that's such an insane answer is it true or do i know it annoys you so that's why i say it <laughs> I'm a huge SVU fan, and Law and Order Organized Crime is the latest installment in the franchise. We see the return of Elliot Stabler from Law and Order SVU, who has been absent for the past 10 years. He's been abroad, and now he's back. So it seems like one of Christopher Maloney's children needed to go to college, and that's why he's back? Possibly. Possibly. So it was a two-hour crossover event, starting with Law and Order SVU, ending with Law & Order, Organized Crime. Can I just jump in for a second as someone that doesn't regularly watch SVU? So the SVU part of the episode revolves around Stabler's wife being shot. She, she has a name. It's Kathy. And as someone with a mother named Kathy, I did not appreciate It's like, Kathy's in a coma. <laughs> Kathy's been shot. I, oh, yeah, that's Kathy, terrible. Spoiler alert. Kathy has died. Did not enjoy that at all. Is she the special victim? Because I thought the special victims unit dealt with sex crimes. There was, like, no special victim in this episode, really. Okay, okay, good. I was confused for a second. That's what I thought. Yeah, so Stabler's wife is injured in a car bombing accident of some kind. That was as much of the plot as I remember. Here are my thoughts as a writer. I thought maybe it'd be a regular SVU episode with maybe, like, Christopher Maloney in the shadows, sort of watching Liv do her thing. And then the end, you would see them connect. But no. 
within five seconds, they're reunited. Obviously, I love Elliot Stabler. I love the, in theory, I love the idea of him being back on TV. But this Elliot Stabler was not the true Elliot Stabler. Because he's apparently been in Italy for the past 10 years where he's become cultured and now he's come back and he's tan and it's like he's not the same person. To back things up, Elliot Stabler is a white, straight, ex-Marine, Irish Catholic, born in Queens, like the kind of guy that would literally never leave Queens, let alone go to Italy for 10 years. Like there was that insane line in the show, or I think it was early in the organized crime episode where he said, Can't believe you lived in Rome. In this great apartment, terrace overlooking this 15th century palazzo. This man doesn't know what a palazzo is. This man doesn't know what the 15th century is. Like this is not this character, but I figured out why this is so fucking off. Do you know why? Uh, please tell me. Well, did you look at any of the credits? No. Okay, so this episode was written and this show is produced by Eileen Shaken, who is famous in the lesbian world for creating the L word and the real L word. Then she kind of fell off the face of the planet and then she came back with Empire. So she's very much like the queen of the nighttime soap opera. But that's why in this episode, it's like there were so many random like art references for no reason. Why is Stabler walking in the Egyptian wing at the Met? Why is there a Micheline Thomas reference in this Dylan McDermott scene? I have a comment about how each of the episodes were shot, which I thought they were shot terribly, especially organized crime. Which one? Because they were very different, like they, stylistically. They were. Just the the shaky cam of the SVU was very disconcerting. And then I found an organized crime. I don't know if I needed that much of a close-up on Dylan McDermott. They really did the men of that show dirty with almost extreme close-ups of their faces. But was it Dylan McDermott or was it Dermot Mulroney? I would have never thought in the 90s if you were like, who's going to age better, Dylan McDermott and Dermot Mulrooney? I'd be like, definitely Dylan McDermott. But last few years have been, not been kind to Dylan McDermott, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> or maybe it's how he was shot. I don't know. I thought he looked fine. They really need to dial down the spray tan on Chris Maloney, though. It's like, I get that he's been in, in Rome. They can do like that. You know, when you go into the spray tan, and they're like, do you want light, light, medium, medium? It's like he got Ariana Grande. Or do you think it was because you're only supposed to keep it on for a certain amount of time based on how tan you want to be? Do you think he just like got spray tan, fell asleep and then four hours later? Oh, yeah. He's like, like, oh, shit. <laughs> I was intrigued about how for organized crime, since it is such a episodic procedural show, how you do that with an organized crime family. And it seems like they're basically going to do a season long arc involving Dylan McDermott at the head of this mafia family. Which is fucking terrible because the reason why people love Law and Order is because it is so episodic. Every once in a while, there's a plot line that carries through a season, but barely. The episodes are so self-contained, so you don't really have to pay attention to every second of every episode. I don't think I can continue watching this. I think I may need to just finally get into criminal intent or something. Yes! <laughs> I know they were filming at the same time, but it is fascinating that Chris Maloney wasn't a boyfriend on Sex and the City. Yeah, he would have been a good Samantha. He's very like Samantha's type. S Samantha goes to a new gym and he's like the roided In out. In Queens. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies, <laughs> I'm at the hottest guy. Have you been to Queens? <laughs> Uh, that would be perfect. You know what? Maybe they'll cast him in, in just like that. There's always time. Okay, so that happened. What else happened this week? 
Chell, I scream, you scream for Smize Cream. I really hate this transition. But yes, that happened this week. Tyra Banks launched her new ice cream brand, Smize Cream, with flavors like strawberry birthday cake, butter pecan, and vanilla. Excuse me, it's strawberry birth yay cake. I, I, oh my God. No, it's not. Is it? It, it is. I'm... <coughs> I'm not really here for these. Nuts. I love that you just cleared your throat like Sarah Jessica Parker in the Family Stone. Remember that was her thing. She like did that the whole movie. I unfortunately think I have very Sarah Jessica Parker and Family Stone energy and I'm not proud of that. <laughs> yeah, Smize obviously comes from her catchphrase from America's Next Top Model, which is... You're smiling with your eyes. You're smizing. That's, that's the origin of it. What does that have to do with ice cream? I don't know. I mean, I honestly would have preferred it if they named the ice cream brand I've never in my life yelled at a girl like this. <laughs> oh my God. If the ice cream flavors were based on her talk show. Yeah, she, the talk show had a lot of iconic moments. That time that she wore a fat suit for two hours and then was just like sobbing hysterically because of the way people were treating her. Those moments have nothing on brownies, I love you, caramel cookie queen, purple cookie mon star like a star in the sky, and me, and the best vanilla I've ever had. Is it, though? I mean, oh, and don't don't forget, each flavor comes with a smize surprise, which is basically a giant hunk of cookie dough that is buried somewhere within the ice cream. Also, to clarify, when I first heard about this, I was like, oh, she's launching an ice cream brand to compete with Halo Top. That makes sense. And it's going to be 200, 300 calories for a pint of ice cream. But no, it's, it's full fat, full dairy ice cream. Did you see that the Smize Cream had been developed years before and was actually supposed to launch as one of the many attractions for her theme park, Model Land? I did not know that. But yes, I did hear about Model Land, which was basically like... Oh, don't worry. I have I have it because I was so puzzled as to what Model Land was. Model Land is a wondrous place in Santa Monica, California, where everyone can live the ultimate modeling fantasy. It's like Britney Spears The Zone, but for wannabe influencer models, right? Yeah. Is there going to be some modeling agent taking their measurements and saying they're too fat like what is this real world experience that you're gonna have yeah i can't i can't imagine well it's the first of its kind story-driven attraction features fashion and beauty photo shoots and runways shopping and theater i don't know why i'm making fun of this because if it ever opens we're gonna be the first people in line also it sounds like i've told you i grew up in los angeles and there's a place called little women and this is what it's sounding like little women was a place where you would go and basically be dressed up as a six-year-old like a little French prostitute and have a tea party like the the old uh Brooke Shields and pretty baby I mean basically that's what that's what model land is sounding like I'm down for model land but I would be down for the ice cream also except for I don't love the packaging like if her face was on the carton or something I would love it but it's actually just this graphic illustration of a girl wearing headphones like DJ headphones and it looks like something that I would have done as a teenager for like a printmaking class or something Also, you can only get it in Santa Monica right now, which that might as well be in Santa Barbara. It might as well be hours away. See, I would drive to Santa Monica if it was called. I have never in my life yelled at a girl like this. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Models and food is such an incongruous idea that they try to make happen every 10 years. Yeah, exactly. And when we first heard about Smize Cream, we were like, oh, what else could we talk about in this vein? And it wasn't long before we remembered the iconic fashion cafe. 
Yes, the Fashion Cafe, which opened in 1995, which was kind of the fashion world version of Planet Hollywood, basically. It was a tourist trap chain of restaurants that were owned by these two brothers, Tommaso and wait, actually, you, I don't know how to pronounce these Italian names. Can you do this? Well, according to one Italian listener, I don't either, but it's Tommaso and Francisco Butti's. So yeah, they were basically looking to replicate the success of Planet Hollywood and uh, the Hard Rock Cafe with fashion because this was the height of supermodel mania. Yeah, so they got part owners, Elle McPherson, Naomi Campbell, and Claudia Schiffer. Okay, they weren't really, they were brand ambassadors, essentially. They were hired brand ambassadors, but the way it was marketed, you thought that they were co-owners of the business, that it was basically their idea. In my gullible tween brain, I was fully imagining like Naomi Campbell wearing a hard hat, looking at blueprints and fine-tuning the menu and shit. Well, I mean, the menu did feature Naomi Campbell's famous fish and chips recipe. So I forget, did you ever go to the fashion cafe? No, I think even my eight-year-old self was like, this doesn't seem correct. This seems like a fraud. I went to the Rockefeller Center location as a tween. The first time I ever came to New York, I dragged my father there. A lot of stories of you cyberbullying your dad (laughs) to do things. I know, my poor dad. Thanks for that, dad. But yeah, it was really, I was so excited. It was really extra. You basically walk in and the entrance of the fashion cafe looks like a giant camera like the shutter of a camera that you walk through and then inside it's like a planet Hollywood there's just entertainment memorabilia all over the walls and fashion shows on the TVs and I mostly just remember eating clam chowder out of a bread bowl underneath a framed bustier that Madonna had worn at some point I thought it was so glamorous I didn't really have a concept of this and I was watching a video on YouTube that was filmed sometime in the mid 90s where I didn't realize they were also doing while you ate fashion shows. And they're the saddest fashion shows I've ever seen. When I went, there was no fashion show. I don't think it was like an on the hour thing. It wasn't like the Rainforest Cafe where it rains every 30 minutes. As you might have imagined, this concept didn't really do very well. Yeah, because like I mentioned with the clam chowder bread bowl, the menu was like Outback Steakhouse. It wishes it was an Outback Steakhouse. It was so inconsistent with everything around it. Right, and so it shut down in 1998. And then in 2000, the brothers were indicted on 51 federal counts of fraud, money laundering, and conspiracy. And Naomi Campbell and Elle McPherson would ultimately accuse Tommaso of stealing 25 Five million dollars. And so because the models were so front and center in the marketing of the fashion cafe, when it went under, it's like its demise was very much attributed to them. And it wasn't a good look for anyone. Do you know where Tommaso Booty is now? No. He was granted a full pardon on January 19th, 2021 by President Trump. Bef- no. Mm-hmm, before he could face trial on the U.S. charges against him. Wait, still from the fashion cafe stuff? Yes, but here's the connection between the two. Shortly before he was initially in- indicted in 2000, Trump had a modeling agency and put Tommaso at the head of it. That's so dark. But I'm not surprised. I mean, Donald Trump is definitely the caliber of celebrity that would come to the opening of a fashion cafe. Although, I mean, Donatella and Gianni Versace did come to the opening of the Rockefeller Center one. I mean, the best part of the fashion cafe was the merch, honestly, because like Planet Hollywood, they had a whole basically shop within the store. I still have a champagne glass that's branded with the fashion cafe logo, although I really wish I had one of the t-shirts. 
Yes, because now Gen Z has discovered it in thrift shops and are trying to sell them for like $800 on eBay. I know, I know. There's like a fashion cafe shirt on Grailed for like $500. It's like, fuck you. <laughs> so lame. So Lita Dudham did a five-piece collection with the online retailer Eleven Honoré, which had the brilliant idea of getting high fashion designers to make their clothes in a size 12 and above. They stocked designers like Christopher Kane, Rachel Comey, what have you, and now Lena Dunham. What did you think? I thought it was cute. How this got revealed was a Vanessa Friedman New York Times piece where I thought Lena was super funny. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan. She certainly has had the shit kicked out of her, some most times deservedly so, but I thought she was really self-aware and funny. Like I enjoyed her quote where she said, I'm not a celebrity who's ever been asked to represent a product. I'm not a person for many reasons who anyone wants to represent a product. Well, see, I like Lena Dunham. I mean, internet culture is so psychotic that it's actually turned me into a Lena Dunham apologist. But first and foremost, when I say that I like Lena Dunham does not mean that I'm co-signing on everything that she's ever said and done. So please do not come at me for this. I feel like she's become the universal scapegoat for millennial entitlement which I don't totally agree with because I think that for one thing, a lot of people conflate her with her character from Girls, who, sure, was annoying and entitled, but all of that was on the page. If anything, it was a self-aware show about annoying white people in Brooklyn, right? Yeah, I agree. People are always, you know, accusing her of benefiting from nepotism. It's not like her dad is like fucking Ted Sarandos or some shit. You know what I mean? That's not how it works. Her parents are artists. That does not give you an HBO deal in the same way that an HBO executive can't get their kid repped by Barbara Gladstone. Like, I don't understand the logic of this argument fundamentally. Anyway, so the five-piece collection that she designed, it includes a dress, a blazer, a skirt, a button-down shirt, and then a tank. The tank is $98, and then the dress is about 268 How this collaboration came together was Lena Dunham was already a frequent shopper of Eleven Honoré, and she was talking to its owner and founder, Patrick Herning, who had started their own in-house private label, and he was able to give her a supply chain and designers to live her dream. Yeah, I like the collection. I will say that there's a scalloped pinstripe suit that is very similar to a scalloped pinstripe suit that Chloe made like 10 years ago. I only remember this because Chloe 70 wore it in like five colorways. But that said, I'm not trying to call her out. I don't want anyone listening to narc on her to diet Prada. She has been cyber bullied enough. Also, bigger women never had the opportunity to buy the Chloe suit anyway. So she's doing everyone a favor. Wow, you really are a Lena Dunham apologist. (laughs) How the tides have turned. It's not that. It's like I also hate when people get their panties in a twist when lower to mid-range price brands knock off like very high-end established brands because it's it serves an entirely different consumer this suit isn't competing with the person that would buy the the chloe suit to begin with and also it's like if zara and revolve aren't knocking you off you're probably not relevant as a brand and it's not exactly like revolve or zara have the most inclusive sizing yeah So this week, we've had some good retail experiences and some bad retail experiences. 
Uh, you want to start with the good? Yeah, let's start with the good. I went to the new Marc Jacobs Heaven store on Fairfax, which was super fab. Did you end up going or no? No, there was a line to get in. And so I just said, whatever. <laughs> I've seen the Instagram photos. It's as if I've been there. So to give context, Heaven is the latest diffusion line from Marc Jacobs, who is arguably the king of the diffusion line. He started Marc by Marc Jacobs in the early 2000s. Then, do you remember the Marc Jacobs special? special item store on Bleecker Street? No, I remember Bookmark. After Mark by Mark, which was like hugely popular, he opened this other store on Bleecker Street. It was the Mark Jacobs special item store and it had even cheaper stuff than Mark by Mark. You could buy like a compact for $10 or like a t-shirt for $30. And a lot of the stuff in it said like Mark by Mark by Mark by Mark. They were kind of making fun of it. Right. But then Mark by Mark fell out of fashion. Everyone was gravitating away from the vintage inspired look and towards the omnipresent Alexander Wang aesthetic. So they brought in Katie Hiller and Luella Bartley to rejuvenate Mark by Mark, but that didn't work. It ended up closing. Most of the Mark Jacobs stores ended up closing throughout the world. Mark Jacobs has always been an early adopter. He and his business partner, Robert Duffy, is no longer with the company, but they did see the writing on the wall with the diffusion lines, with brick and mortar stores, and pulled back years before a lot of designers, <clears throat> Diane von Furstenberg, sort of saw how problematic it was. Yeah, but I mean, it, it sort of fell into a lull as a brand. I'll say that I think that his mainline collections now are as good as any of his shows from the 80s or 90s or early 2000s or whatever, but it's been hard for him to translate. Like, he hasn't had an it bag in a really long time. Nor has he, in, in the time that heaven has launched in this past year he hasn't done any runway collections yeah well okay i'm skipping a diffusion line though because after mark by mark then there was the mark jacobs which is another diffusion line that's currently going now we come to heaven Heaven has a much different vibe than everything that I just discussed. It's very specific in its influences, which is 90s alternative music, rave culture, grunge, basically like every subcultural thing collapsed into this line. You know, it's Kim Gordon, it's Harmony Kareen, it's Greg Araki, who did a collaboration with them last season that we both bought a ton of stuff from. There's a lot of graphic branded pieces that will invariably appeal to a more streetwear oriented consumer, but it's not trying to be streetwear. It's not pandering to that audience. It's very diverse in its product range. There's something for everybody. Heaven obviously takes inspiration from, as you said, Kim Gordon's ex-girl brand from the 90s, Sofia Coppola's Milk Fed, which both lines were kind of filled with basics like ringer tees that were inspired by a mix of like rock military subculture by way of Adelia's catalog, basically. Yeah, it's very young. Yeah, it's very youth focused down to its new creative director. Yeah, I mean, while Heaven falls within the Marc Jacobs universe, it's very much the vision of Ava. Uh, Nerui, friend of the pod, we need to have her on. She's Aussie. And she caught Mark Jacobs' attention by her own viral Mark Jacobs hoodie, Mark with a K and then Jacobs with an ES. Yeah, it was like a, a bootleg. But then instead of suing her, they actually just started producing the hoodie and she's gradually taken on more and more within the company. Yeah, which is a real note to brands. Maybe don't sue people that are doing bootleg merch of your stuff. Maybe incorporate them. Might totally. work in your favor. 
Absolutely. Also, her success in this particular role just proves my point that brands that are in need of a rejuvenation, all they need to do is hire one competent person with a vision and just let them do their job. Like so many brands have this groupthink mentality where everyone and their mother and a focus group has to weigh in on things, you know, and that just makes everything so convoluted and shitty. I love how specific this is. Mark Jacobs told Women's Wear Daily about her designs that he feels that so much of what she's doing is rooted in today, but she has an appreciation for the parallels. She is the keeper of the spirit, but not nostalgic, seeing it and feeling it as it rolls. He is correct. It's very 90s inspired, but it doesn't feel nostalgic. Nostalgic. There feels like there's something new about it. Yeah, it does feel current for sure. And it was great seeing the lines outside of the store. I love that people are shopping there. It's fab. It's a different vibe for Fairfax, which for those of you who don't live in Los Angeles is the epicenter of streetwear culture in Los Angeles. It's where the Supreme store is. Well, it's a predominantly Jewish neighborhood that features the Cantor's restaurant. And yes, then in, <laughs> there's that too. And then in the 2000s, all of these streetwear brands came in and now it just has a completely different personality yeah it's true it's got the old school jewish stuff it's got the the streetwear stuff and then it has the john and vitty's culture on top of it and now a dave's hot chicken which just opened up <laughs> the dave's hot chicken is always popping off when's when's the the supreme dave's ex- hot chicken collab coming where is the john and vinny's ex supreme collab I feel like Brain Dead will do that. Brain Dead, the streetwear line who has taken over, what was that theater called? The former silent movie theater, because that's the other thing that Fairfax had, was the, I think, last existing silent movie theater, which then became a Cine family program thing, but then they had a Me Too movement, so people- Yes, they did. <laughs> people had an outcry, threw them out, except for the fact that they actually owned the building, and they just turned it into, you're right, this fuckboy come art gallery now. It makes me so upset. I mean, I don't hate Brain Dead, actually. I do want to go there. I just- I'm going to have to go there to get that John and Vinny's drop. That, by the way, we've totally made up. By the way, John and Vinny's is just a very sceny restaurant, Italian restaurant in L.A. that all, all the kids go to. Yeah, and I think they probably know it because of the viral Gigi Hadid vodka sauce recipe that is just the John and Vinny's vodka sauce oh, really? recipe. Pretty much. So now that we've talked about... This has gone wildly off the rails. This has gone really off the rails. Well, no, further down Fairfax would be The Grove, where we went to the Skims pop-up. Cue the theme song. Kardash, a holics anonymous. This is a case for the FBI. So on Tuesday, our friend Maya texted us and said, The Skims pop-up is open! And we just had to go. Our friend Maya was very specific. She was like, guys, we got to go in the morning. She moved a chiropractor appointment. She's also a food stylist. Let's just use her full name. Her name's Maya Bookbinder. She's a fab food stylist. So she was really wanting to go to the Skims pop-up because of the Skims ice cream. They had like this flesh-colored ice cream that we saw on the Instagram. Uh, Yes. And so the Grove hosts kind of in the same spot, these pop-ups. And when you approached it, it was a flesh-colored, lacquered box with this puffy Skims logo extruding from it. It looked fabulous, honestly. It looked fabulous. It looked so Cronenberg-y. Yeah. We didn't have to wait in line, thank God. But then when we did get inside, it was like... It was a hot mess. Well, it was... Okay, it was like a bleached wood pine box. So it was like being in some millennial coffin startup. Should we 
we start that? Maybe. I'm surprised it doesn't already exist. Okay, so here was the issue. They let us all in, which I'm sure people who are listening have been to shopping experiences, restaurants, whatever. It's usually like you have to wait 30 minutes for one person in your group to go in and they were like, everyone go in, it's fine. And then you got in and it was like four salespeople and then there were like three other people with us. You're like, this actually isn't COVID safe. Like it just because it was so small. So on one of the walls was every iteration colorway of basically like a tube top, a bra, underwear. So you went to go grab stuff and they were like, excuse me, that's the display? Yeah, it's like, bitch, it's on a hanger. Like it has a tag. I should be able to buy it. If you want, this if this is a display then make it a display or just get a sign that says display only and this is the confusing part is some of the things that were on hangers were available for purchase and you could take them and other stuff you couldn't and also they didn't really have much product they just had a couple styles of bras some body suits they had like the ribbed stuff that just came out but they didn't have a lot of the loungewear or any of that kind of stuff Well, they did, but in a different place, which we'll get to in a second. So we took our wares because, and again, our friend Maya was like, I am buying one thing because I want to qualify to get that ice cream. And so she went outside, bought her one thing. Oh no, it's even worse because some things you couldn't buy at the kiosk outside. You had to be brought into the Nordstrom. Yeah, brought into Nordstrom by like a handler, basically. So you didn't shoplift the skims. And then Maya came to learn that there was no ice cream left. Yeah, so fucked. And she was like, well, can I have a branded water? And then they gave her a water, but it wasn't the branded one. It was just like a normal water. Yeah, I got a branded water. She was really pissed. If you live in LA, don't bother. Don't go to it. Buy stuff online. No, I've been to the Skims website. The other, the reason to go to the pop-up is things are really sold out. The inventory that they keep on the website is very low. And I've even tried to... Nor- it was low in the box too, in the millennial coffin. Like they didn't have... I just wanted a single pair of underwear. And they're like, sorry, we don't have large. My issue with Skims is the pieces for me are great. As you saw, I wore a Skims shirt that I told you I wasn't wearing a bra on. Both. Oh of my were... god, it was incredible. What is what is the name of the Skims shirt? I think it's the Cotton Everyday shirt. Lauren was wearing this shirt, and then she was like, "Guys, I'm not wearing a bra." And I was like, "I don't believe it." Not that you have like saggy tits. The tits are perky anyway, but like, damn, damn, yeah. It was fab. Anyway, what we recommend is for you actually just to go to the Grove, go into the Nordstrom, go to the second floor where they keep all of the skim stuff. That is where they have everything. Everything that's Everything that's not in the tiny dehumanizing coffin is literally just in the Nordstrom store where there are dressing rooms so you can try shit on. They have all of the loungewear stuff apart from our beloved Jacquard collection, but they have all the- The fuzzy stuff. Velour stuff, the fuzzy stuff, all that shit's there. Do we want to add the insult to injury for Maya? Yeah. Which is, last night I was scrolling through TikTok and I saw a guy go, and this is how I met Kim Kardashian at the Skims pop-up. And I went, oh, that better not be from today. And I checked the timestamp. And um, a few hours after we were there, uh, Kim did a photo op. And guess what was there? The ice cream. So fucked up. Can you hear that? I think that's Maya screaming from her house. The fact that we missed this by a mere two hours is so upsetting to me. I would have, we would have died, obviously. I mean, look at us. We're doing a Kardashian segment on our fucking podcast. Is now the time to get into the the whole Chloe thing? So this week, MJ, who knew that MJ even had an Instagram account? 
That's where it gets confusing. So, or did she post it on Facebook or something? That would be more legit. We'll tell the version that, as I understand it, which someone who happens to be friends with MJ, which would be Chris's mother, so the grandmother to Kim, Chloe, Courtney, Rob, Kendall, Kylie, has a private Instagram, and she posted this photo of Chloe without makeup on, just, you know, doing a pose that I think we all do with our parents when they're trying to take a photo of us, and we're like, okay, you got the picture? Okay. Yeah, she's in a bikini. And someone found it and, and threw it on Reddit, and almost immediately, legal people on the Kardashian side started sending cease and desist and said, you're posting you know, photos you don't have the copyright for, and started pulling it down. Basically, got scrubbed from the internet. Which, nothing's scrubbed. Nothing's from- actually scrubbed, but it kind of did, and then it's been impossible to contain since Chloe responded. Okay, but first of all, I just want to say... She didn't even look bad in this picture. The only difference is that she didn't have makeup retouching or that rose gold filter that she uses on all of her Instagram photos. I don't quite understand why she's embarrassed and we'll get into her comment about this whole thing, which is no one's shitting on it. What we're shitting on, like, frankly, when I saw that photo of her, I was relieved. It was like, oh, my God, thank God you didn't actually have all of that work done that would be suggested by the amount of filters that you use yeah it's like your face isn't as fucked i'm sorry there's no other way to say it it's the face that we know and love yeah because going by the filters and the contouring makeup it looks like she's had three nose jobs yeah and now i think maybe she's right maybe she hasn't it's just you know some full-on crazy special effects makeup or something chloe kardashian brought to you by ilm So then she responds to this on Instagram with the longest post. First, she posts a couple of thirst trap videos of her showing off her midsection, let's just say. Well, even before that, she evidently went on Instagram Live just for a minute to show off her body to then put it in this post. Okay, right. I missed the live. And then there's, it's like a notes app type thing where there's what screenshotted text but it goes over like four or five slides or something like it's wild they have to have an in-house graphic designer could you imagine getting that assignment of like okay i gotta take chloe's (laughs) apology it's not even apology i know explanation do you think that they had a couple of rounds of like i don't really feel this font the kerning seems off do you think she gave (sighs) notes on that i don't think so i think she was just trying to express herself and you know i could feel in reading her statement about it which was basically just like i'm sick of being picked apart by everyone including us fucking assholes yeah but chloe did this rhetorical thing that i've seen kim do and bella hadid do which is they address a tertiary issue right what she's addressing isn't actually the issue that we're talking about she's acting as if that unphotoshopped, unvarnished photo of her is what we're making fun of. What we're making fun of is her need to heavily filter everything. Totally. And You're she- right. That's that's so true. And I've seen Kim do it with her ass, right? It's like, you could, you could do a scan of my ass and you wouldn't see butt implants. It's like, no one's saying you had butt implants. We're all saying you had a Brazilian butt lift. <laughs> it's like Bella Hadid is like, oh my God, everyone says I've had so much surgery on my face. I haven't had anything done. It's like, no, we're talking about the fillers you've had done, not actual surgery. Well, I mean, she did have a nose job. Good for her. Iconic nose job, honestly. One of the best. The bridge is a little thin and will probably cave in on itself in her early <laughs> oh, 30s. Oh, wow, but... wow. Well, at least we know that Chloe doesn't have a nose like that. I know. It was starting to look like Michael Jackson. It was starting early... to look like Michael Jackson. And now I see that that's all highlighter. Great. 
Good for her. Anyway, what else do we have? Well, if we're talking about grievances about this Palm Springs trip, which is where that Chloe photo was taken, I just need to make the point, and this is going to be the podcast where we've said we're from Los Angeles like 300 times, but guys, there were paparazzi photos of them leaving Palm Springs on a private jet. They live in Los Angeles. Palm Springs is a two and a half hour, three at most drive. Yeah, like it's going to take longer to take a PJ probably, right? Okay, so I did do research because I was fascinated because when you go from LA to Vegas, that's a 40-minute plane ride. When you go, same when you're going from LA to San Francisco, it's like, surely if you're going from LA to Palm Springs, it's, it has to be 15 minutes. No, I'm sure, but I'm sure it's just the getting to the plane and all of that bullshit that adds the same amount oh, of time. Of course, because they're driving from, so they live in Calabasas. There's only a few private jet fields, so they're probably taking off from Van Nuys. That's a half an hour drive. <laughs> they're then taking a private jet to Palm Springs of which Chris's house is not in Palm Springs proper, but Palm Desert. So I know. I've definitely tried to find the address when I've been in Palm Springs in the house. So that's another half. So that's another half an hour drive. And when I researched it, they're saying that the flight time is anywhere from 30 minutes to like 46 minutes. So it's already a two hour journey. And it's like, why would you not want to do the drive? The drive to Palm Springs is delightful. You can see the Cabazon dinosaurs. You can go to the Balenciaga outlet. Why would you want to miss that? And also, the best I can figure, a Gulfstream G4 is about $15,000 round trip, which that's the thing that actually makes the most sense of all of this. Of like, I could see Chris being like 15 grand, whatever. It's fine. It's crazy. So now are we going to go into the dark portion of the Kardashian segment? Guys, if you can believe it, it gets darker. I don't know about you, Lauren, but I'm all about recalling Gavin Newsom and replacing him with Caitlyn Jenner. Yes, news came out this week that Caitlyn is, quote, actively exploring a run for governor of California. I mean, I'm going to take that with a grain of salt. Well, also this Daily Mail article, which might as well be the New York Times for gossip, refers to Sophia Hutchins, her gal pal, as her manager. Is she her manager i mean i'm pretty sure that if caitlin jenner was governor sophia hutchins would be chief of staff and instead of vaccinating california they'd give everyone lumisol samples again be the sunscreen and not the uh not the solvent they use to find blood at murder crime scenes <laughs> i still think it probably does both it's been noted that Caitlyn has sought out political consultants for a possible run at the governorship. This is all deja vu for me as someone who lived through uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger's era. Yes, yeah. because that came after a recalled governor, Ray mm. Davis. And that's when, <laughs> that's when Arnold Schwarzenegger ran. I was too young to vote. But I remember the sentiment was like, oh, this is funny. I'm just going to vote for him. And surely someone else will vote for the right person. But see, no one will vote for Caitlyn Jenner because actively disliking Caitlyn Jenner is something that Republicans and Democrats have in common, you know? It's that meme with the two fists. With the coming. hands, a thousand percent. I don't know who Caitlyn Jenner's core audience is at this point. Caitlyn sort of has such a non-pop cultural impact. It was only this week did we learn that Caitlyn was unmasked on The Masked Singer four weeks ago. It kind of went viral on TikTok after the fact. Because when Caitlyn was unmasked, she did a version of Kesha's TikTok? Yes. Okay. She was dressed like a phoenix. We're going to drop in the audio now. Before I leave, I brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't 
I'm sorry, but this has to be the easiest mask singer to unmask. That voice is unmistakable. If this show was like The Voice and I had a buzzer that I could press or something, I I would have realized it was Caitlyn Jenner after she by the time she said P. Diddy. Do you want to be a judge on The Masked Singer? Kind of. It seems fun. I don't watch that show, but... The clips on TikTok make it seem delightful. Yeah. Um, okay, so with that... I think it's time for us to, like the phoenix, rise again, rise and fly away. I feel like I blacked out this entire podcast. I can't <laughs> Me remember. Me too. Should we release this one? I don't I know. I can't remember what we talked about. I don't know. Anyway, thanks for listening as always, guys. And oh, I want to remind you guys, if you want to look at any of the visual references, things we're talking about, you can go to everyoutfitinc.com slash show notes. Or it'll be in the episode description. Yes. Until next week, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>